Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's the freaking weekend, baby. I'm about to have me some fun. Let's get it on. It is the early line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh. And we put the fun and functional sports content. That's what we do here. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Kev, you know, we have been talking, you know, I all week, if you've been watching us, you may have noticed that Kevin and I's confidence is dropping a little bit on this whole damn thing. You know what I mean? It's like Mm. every single time we come up with something to be excited about, right? Like, hey, we're going to have basketball. Hey, we're going to have baseball. It seems like we unearth more open questions or challenges. And Kev, we don't have to try that hard to find things that are an issue. And so... You know, it made me think about the NFL, especially like even, you know, a week ago when Fauci was like, oh, we may not be able to go past October. I was like, well, what about the NFL? And I remember asking you also, like, should the NFL take this on? The first kind of thing out here is, does the NFL have the stomach for this? Should we actually proceed or... Is it like fitting a square peg into a round hole? Now, I know there's billions of dollars on the line, but Kev, you know, I think as we continue to go on, every individual player or coach who has an issue, they're valid. And so how are we going to figure this all out? Or are you starting to think this may be square peg in a round hole? Yeah, the NFL has a lot on their plate and... I think rightfully so. We it just it was not the most immediate sport. We had a lot more kind of set up for us. But I do think, and I'll speak at least for myself on this. Um, I then didn't see all of the issues that then I guess could arise for the NFL at the time, right? Because I wasn't thinking about the fact that a bubble option. I, I don't. Again, we've talked about this. I don't see any world where a bubble option is something the NFL can pull off. The, the amount of we. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the amount of reconfiguring that they'd need to do, they might have to, I, I mean, you can't build a field, like, I don't know where right. they go, it would be a lot, and you'd also be asking players to leave for a full season's length, not some yeah. extended playoff run, you're talking about a full season's length, you would like get- Like starting with training camp, in essence, right? right? We're talking five months here. Exactly, you'd, you'd get a much lower participation rate, I think, than- you would expect. And the thing is right now, again, because, you know, following these COVID numbers is now very much so a part of sports. It just is. And the thing that I've been pretty consistent on is it's going to be really hard for us to project even two months out, right? right? Who knows where we will be with this virus? Now, what I can tell you, though, is two months ago, If you would have asked me where we would be in two months, it certainly would have not been record-breaking numbers. That certainly wouldn't have been the case. So it's hard for me now to say, oh, by September, we'll have gotten a handle on things. And all we know, Kevin, is that this country is not consistent enough to, like, take the medicine, quite frankly, you know? And that's been my biggest takeaway. Two months ago, I had more faith in the American people than I do now. And I guess that's maybe a bad way of saying it. But I put it up on the screen here, and I've been making this point over the last couple of weeks. You see here the curve in the United States versus the curve in the combined European Union. And in the European Union, they have flattened the curve. Kevin, and that's what cleared the way for Bundesliga, for the Premier League, for La Liga. But if their curve looked the way it does right here in America, they would not be, you know, phase two, three, whatever the hell it is, and considering sports. We're not in a place where we have the luxury of sports just yet. And you know what else, Kev? I think uh, Malcolm Jenkins actually said this very well. You know Malcolm Jenkins, former Eagle, now with the Saints. Uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, was he like the players, 
union like almost president or representative at some point. He's definitely active, definitely vocal. And, you know, he crystallized it in a way that I hadn't considered yet. You know, he flat out and said that what we have to acknowledge is that the NFL, Kev, is a non-essential business. You know, it's not a grocery store. It's not a healthcare worker. It's something we want for normalcy. It's something we like for entertainment. And if you consider the NFL as a non-essential business, then the question remains that when the curve is the way it is and when it's spiking in 30 states across this union, and I use the term union loosely at this point, um, are we, you know, are we trying to, again, shove a square peg into a round hole? Listen to what Malcolm Jenkins had to say. I think until we get to the point where we have protocols in place and until we get to a place as a country where we feel safe doing it, we have to understand that football is a non-essential business. Uh, and so we don't need to do it. And so the risk, uh, you know, has to uh, be, be really eliminated before we before I would feel comfortable. What do you think, Kev? I think Malcolm Jenkins is always going to be one of the more outspoken players. And now the thing is right now, he's, I would say, maybe the first like notable, at least that I can think of NFL player that's come out and talked about their concerns over playing football this year. Zeke Elliott did also a couple of days ago. Zeke Elliott was like, yeah, I kind of want to play, but it has to be done right. Like people have mm-hmm. got parents that are sick or, you know, whether they're family concerns and that's a big one. So yeah, but you know, if the time is now, I believe we're going to start to hear the no, trickle I'm- just like we are in other sports. Right. And so I think what you'll see is, I think you will see something not all that different from what happened with Kyrie Irving. I think you're going to see, in this little short window here, people attacking Malcolm Jenkins, right? Because Malcolm Jenkins has always been outspoken. Yeah. But every single time people attack Malcolm, right, it usually backfires on them. (laughs) The thing with the idea of it being a non-essential business, right? I mean, the idea of, of that, right, is pretty much like the health workers, right? Food. Like, that's what he's referring, right? Now, I would offer to you The only things that should be open when the curve is the way it is. Right. And the thing that, you know, there should be a, like, having, getting sports back, right, is important in terms of the job security of all of those in the NFL, and that expands far beyond the players, right? It certainly does. And it does provide, I guess, this world with a bit of normalcy, but that really takes a backseat. There's a lot of financial stuff at play when it comes to the NFL season. And I think that you can say, depending on the numbers they can play, again, they have an issue. And Malcolm Jenkins was, was laying this out as well, that they are not the NBA. You know, they've got thousands of players in the nfl more players more equipment yeah there's no bubble there's no quarantine and that's what he said he goes we're basically going to be going out here on an honor system yeah the honor system system that oh you're going to be doing your responsibility and he goes listen you know and people all the time talk about oh you know you're a healthiest person in the nfl like an nfl athlete right one of the healthiest people you eat it no problem percent body fat yeah (laughs) right but like you can transmit it to someone else who that doesn't fit the description of. Absolutely. They have kids, they have parents, like yeah. they have significant others. So that's where I think Malcolm here has kind of opened the door to something that is pretty obvious. That's we nice, just yeah. hadn't really been talking about yet. Yeah, I think that's fair, Kevin. You know, I was going to go to that kind of honor trust system as well. You know, part of his quote is, you know, not only us as players in the building, but then you go home to your families. He's like, I got parents that I don't want to get sick. That's valid. You know, what about when you have kids? You know, I, I keep on bringing up the example of, you know, pregnant wives, sick parents, you know, children with health concerns. Like, this is real. And this is obviously the case across human beings, not NFL players, NBA players, you know, and I think he's right. You know, it's not only you, but you have to trust that everybody else you're associating with 
is taking it as seriously as you are. That's what we've been saying for months, right, Kevin, here in New York, that we could be quarantined, but if others aren't taking seriously, it's a moot point. It's kind of the idea that right now these tri-state governors want to block off nine states, right? Because we may be taking it seriously, but others aren't. And so then it becomes an unknown. Therein lies the risk. I believe this is an issue. We've been talking about it, Kevin, in terms of the pros and cons of the bubble approach mm. and the travel approach. And yes, maybe you think you can lock it in in a bubble. I personally don't think you can. But then when you're traveling around, and as we've seen, state by state is a different curve with different risks, the obvious risks of travel, and then just the gathering of a 53-man roster I think you're right that Malcolm Jenkins is like opening up the door to Pandora's box. But as I have said a lot of times here, the NFL had the luxury of following the blueprint. But now that the blueprint hasn't been established, these players, these coaches, these team officials are going to start wondering aloud. And we've heard that, you know, you say that Malcolm Jenkins may be the first player. Sean McVay last week we talked about was like, I don't know how we get this done. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we practice. I don't know how to coach a team in these coronavirus times. And Kev, they gonna have to figure it out real quick. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, like the, the bubble versus non-bubble, right? If the conclusion that someone comes away with is, well, none of it's foolproof. Oh, 100%, right? But you can compare the two scenarios, right? Sure. And one of them having a limited amount of personnel for a limited time frame while continuously removing players as it goes on is significantly safer than, you know, going from September to January with no quarantines, no bubbles, travel as you'd like. Yeah. You not only have to trust your team, you have to trust the all of the other teams on right. your schedule. Right. And right? their families. Like, exactly. And, that and is, their children. In and, public school, potentially. Yeah, and and that's where it's it's a really difficult thing to try and achieve. And what I would say is, if we're going to pull this back to yeah. fantasy sports, sure. betting, like, if Malcolm Jenkins sits out the season, does that move the Saints' lines? On a win total, no. And futures odds, mm, maybe not. But if a quarterback... Right out. I don't know if the answer is, oh, okay, well, then they'll grab Cam Newton. Like, there's just, there's a lot now that we've had to address with other sports. Right. We've not even got to the surface of with the NFL. Right that are now coming down the pipe because the calendar continues to flip pages and we're about to flip pages to July. Absolutely. When, oh, by the way, training camps are supposed to open in late July. I, I agree with you. You know, this is going to eviscerate teams, even from just a testing positive standpoint, right? I've mentioned what happens when four offensive linemen, what happens when three wide receivers, we do not know. And then on balance, what that looks like. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I, you know, looking at the status of the NFL, right? Because we have to cross this horizon on what are we actually doing? I always thought the kind of foundational primary step was to beat the virus. And then that allows for things in this culture to come back, whether it's retail sales, getting your hair cut, or watching American team sports. But it seems like we're trying to do it all at the same time. But we will see how that goes. Remember, if you've been following us on the early line, we've been doing our roster resets, our team-by-team -team previews up against like win totals, playoff yes-nos, MVP odds, and seeing how we think it's going to play out. We gave 
gave you our NFC champions. Kevin has the San Francisco 49ers going back to the Super Bowl in the NFC over his Philadelphia Eagles. I have the New Orleans Saints, maybe karma coming to their side after three straight years of painful playoff exits. I have them beating the Seattle Seahawks because I think Russell Wilson continues to be undervalued in the NFL. That is on the NFC side. Kev, talk to me about your AFC playoffs. I know you've got the Chiefs in there. I know you got the Ravens in there. Who else do you have as your seven, not six teams, to qualify for the playoffs? Yeah, the Chiefs and Ravens uh, got us started off. The Chiefs sure. got the bye. The Ravens came in at two. For me, the Titans then uh, ended up finishing third, which was kind of one of the more surprising things. Again, I went through the exercise of right. attempting to pick all 256. So I think it left me with some results that were different than had I kind of eyeballed it a little bit. Um, the Bills did win the AFC East. They were fourth. Right. Then your three wild card teams in order at five, the Steelers, at six, the Browns, and at seven, the Colts. Okay. Okay, so I have six of the same seven teams. Wow. Six of the same seven teams. And Kev, you know me well enough at this point. You know the one team that I have in that mm -hmm. you don't. It's a team that I have been high on for years. And we just had a conversation about their quarterback being fantasy viable as a herd and as a potential elite game manager. I do not have the Tennessee Titans in the AFC playoffs. I have the Colts winning that division. And then as another wild card team, you can say it for me. I have the the L.A. Chargers. That is correct. I have the L.A. Chargers. Seed-wise, though, I've got KC in the one seat. I've got Baltimore, two. I've got Indy, three. Buffalo, four. And then my three wild cards will be Cleveland, followed by the Chargers, followed by Pittsburgh as the seven. So now what I want to do mm. is, similar to how we did it for uh, the NFC, the first name that comes to mind for me, Kev, I don't know if it's your knee-jerk reaction as well, is the fact that neither one of us have the New England Patriots in the playoffs. Um, so for me, I don't know if that's my homerism, but you backing it up potentially as a more objective person. I remember when we were talking about this, we were like, is this all smoke and mirrors? Do we just believe in Bill? You know, so now I draw your attention to those odds. Again, the New England Patriots are plus 166 at last check to not make the playoffs, Kevin. Neither one of us have it. New England plus 166. You click and submit. Yeah, I think we're looking at a situation here where I am going to find myself invested in more Patriots games maybe than any other team in the league aside from the Eagles because I, I might find myself unloading on a lot of anti-Patriots futures. Under on win totals, under on alternate win totals, under on whatever else you can find me, and also a no playoff bet. So we're fading the Patriots wholeheartedly. Through 256, I saw them at 6 and 10. I think it might have been a generous 6 and 10. Wow. I think it might have been a cautious 6 and 10. Wow. What about this team, other than Bill Belichick, can someone offer me? Like, is the defense, is, was, was the defense, the defense, was defense last worse. year? The defense got worse. They lost Kyle Van Noy. They lost Jamie Collins. Yeah, they're they're a year older. We a lot of people thought their draft picks, while we're like Belichick kind of guys and Swiss Army knives, they were not the top at the board at their position at the time of the draft. Now that's another thing, right? That we like give Bill credit for, but yeah, this doesn't move the needle. Their defense got worse. Their offense lost the greatest quarterback of all time, lost potentially the greatest tight end of all time, and they already had issues at the skill positions to the place where Mohamed Sanu was an in-season trade and stuck right into the starting lineup. And any belief in Jared Stidham is blind fandom, over-trust in Bill, right. or valuing like one preseason drive or the narrative, like, all he, did of the, he did it with Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a different of, human being. All of the evidence from Stidham at Auburn to now suggests he's not a good quarterback. Now, again, it's not the widest sample size. I understand that. But we have to go off what we have. And he is not a good quarterback. And him being a good quarterback would be a shock. And he's going to have to do that with awful weapons. 
that took, again, Tom Brady from right. top five quarterback in the league to right. it's about bang ass. Game manager. <laughs> right? Like, seriously. Like, yeah, yes. so, that type of weaponry. They lost their Hall of Fame offensive line coach that has year yeah. after year after Good year point. helped this offense move forward. Like, th- and these are all, like, legitimate, like, for the most part. Pretty objective pitch. Julian Edelman and Sony Michelle have been riddled with injuries over the last couple of years as well. Like it is. The thing is, again, we've talked about like it's an it's a tough call, but if you wanted to hedge all of this, you put the Bill Belichick coach of the year stuff down. Right, as the hedge. And like I won't do that like that to me. Like I'm not gonna hedge in the future because if they go nine and seven and then they so they go over and they slide in as a wild card team, and then for some reason, like, you know, they don't give it a bill. I'm not going to – I personally don't right, right. that hedge, but that does feel like the other side of this coin. And, again, it's, it's not one that I'm going to believe. Let me ask you this then, okay, because we talk about divisions in a comprehensive way, and if yeah. something is overvalued, that means something is undervalued at the same time. So then I draw your attention to a bet that both of us – would predict to come in if we both think that the Patriots are being too respected right now. Kev, what about the Bills to win the division at plus 130? Yeah, again, it's hard to see. I have been shocked by this the entire time. Like, right. it's, it's not become, like, accepted in my mind, this idea of the Bills and the Patriots being at the same exact price. The Bills last year... Are a better were- team? <laughs> as good as pay, were, were as good as the Patriots were. They yeah. just, they were with and, Tom Brady. Remember, it took him a blocked punt and a concussion to Josh Allen in that game to beat Buffalo, like in Week Four or Five, whatever it was. One of the teams got better. Right. The other one got worse. Right. And they're just the same price again. Like if this, the other thing is right. The idea of like, oh, I don't want to bet against Bill. But if you did last year, you were right. They lost week 17 by week on the line to the Miami Dolphins at home, then hosted the Titans. I had Tennessee with the points. (laughs) And lost outright. Like, look at how last year ended. Look at everything that transpired this offseason. The evidence stacks up very, very mightily against the Patriots having Mm -hmm. a successful season. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think everyone's just afraid to actually pull the trigger on it and, you know, go against the mystique and aura that is Bill Belichick. Let me ask you, um, I had the Chargers. You have the Titans in there. Those are the teams we differed on. I'll tell you, for me, our disconnect on the Titans, I believe, is that you're higher on Ryan Tannehill, right? And that he will be able to kind of sustain what he did with that team, with that offense, that they are going to replicate what they did in the second half of the season. And, you know, I I just believe that there is some regression for Tannehill and for Derrick Henry, if you want to know the truth, in the cards. But I do see Tennessee as a valid squad. I know you also see the Chargers as a competitive squad. We've talked about this in terms of them win now and with Tarad. So let me ask you, why do you have them out of the playoffs and not one of these wild card teams, uh, you know, like I have them? Yeah, so 10 wins uh, was the requirement to get they into the playoffs. Win. The Chargers came in for me at 7-9. and nine. I did hmm. think the schedule was a bit up and down. I have to say— Who was your seventh seed again? Was it Cleveland? It was the Colts. At what record? At 10-6? and 10 six? Six. Yeah. I see. Okay. The, the Chargers, for me, were—weirdly enough, I didn't have a single 9-7 and seven team uh, in the AFC. I see. Uh, so Char- you had the Colts. Uh, you had the seventh seed— at ten and six, no nine and sevens, right? And then the Chargers and a couple other teams, maybe at eight and eight, were like on the outside looking in. Yeah, around around that range. The problem for the Chargers to me is one: I don't think the schedule is. I didn't. I from from what I remember, the schedule wasn't incredibly kind to them. Um, okay. But more so, I just don't know what to do with the quarterback room. I'm excited about Tarad. Again, we talked about it yesterday. Yeah, Tarad's Quickly He's becoming one of our guys. <laughs> yeah, one of the guys of the show, right? Yep. But you know Herbert's going to still be there lurking. You you know you know how the, how fickle the NFL is, and with just two bad starts, they'll be asking, 
for Justin Herbert. And there's another underlying issue that I have with this Chargers team. What's that? In that I don't know if they want Anthony Lynn there. Mm. And that might sound silly to some, but Anthony Lynn has talked about wanting to have Tyrod as his quarterback. And Tyrod fits a specific mold. Right. He's then said, well, quite obviously, Colin Kaepernick makes a load of sense. He fits what we're doing. Right. This is not how you would describe Justin Herbert. That pick to me now, after at each and every turn, has felt forced and does right. not feel like it fits Anthony Lynn. They're not going to move on from Herbert anytime no. soon. No, they will not. <laughs> I would tell you, and I think wrongly, again, I think this Herbert pick, every single time I look back on it, it was a mistake by this team. I don't know how in favor Anthony Lynn is in this room. Maybe I'm off base. Maybe he liked Justin Herbert more than he's leading on. But through tea leave reading, which can be dangerous at times, Dane, I just, there to me is a disconnect between the front office and the coach. Mm. That's interesting. I mean, there have there were times last year when I thought Lynn was on the hot seat. Um, he made it through Black Monday, you know, and, and is still with his team. You know, Kevin, I've been saying that from the very beginning. I've been saying, imagine if the Chargers drafted Isaiah Simmons at six overall and then, you know, decided to pair Tarod with, oh, I don't know, Cam. Oh, I don't know, Cap. You know, this would and had them just battle it out. And whoever was better would be that fit for that scheme with what would have been an amazing defense with the chess pieces of Simmons and Derwin James. Oh, yeah. And Boza and Ingram with pressure. Oh, yeah. And Casey Haywood and Chris Harris in the secondary. You know, I really think they could have been putting together one of the best defenses, dynamic, explosive defenses in the league. Well, there's our disconnect. And we seem to be full fading the Patriots. When we come back, we play out the AFC bracket Who's our AFC championship games? I know most people think it's an obvious two. I'll tell you what, that's not my AFC championship game. We'll get back into it when we come back. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Watching Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Welcome back into the early line right here on Sports Grid. Kevin and I continuing to give you the edge on a weekend edition. Now, if you've been with us for like the last month, we were going through all of the teams. We got their records. We got their win totals. We gave you picks and plays that we were leaning on based on their schedule, based on their offseason. And we have arrived at the AFC playoffs. You know, neither one of us had the Patriots, and that's like weird to say. And, you know, so there's plus money out there to be had, whether it's Buffalo winning the division, whether it's them not making making the playoffs, whether it's an under on an alternate win total, as Kevin mentioned. But now let's look at the teams that you do have in the playoffs, Kev. We know, remember, with seven teams, the one seed gets the bye. We're going to be seeing two versus seven, three versus six, and then four, five in what I think is shaping up to be an amazing edition of Wild Card Weekend, as long as it actually happens, that is. <laughs> so what do you have going down in Wild Card Weekend, Kev? Yes, yeah, so we've got the Ravens playing the Colts in a 2-7 yeah. Um, I'm I'm pretty excited about this Ravens team this year. Um, I will say this: there there are these questions that are going to start to loom over them now. Lamar Jackson has played uh, in two playoff games in the first two seasons of his career, mm-hmm. and both games left something to be desired. And I would say that his rookie performance, I was inspired by. Got off to a slow start. The Chargers had a great game plan. He was incredible in that fourth quarter. Right, last they put year, like the safeties and the linebacker yeah. level, right, for that, yeah. Last year, there was an early interception that was not on him. Right. Maybe it rattled him. Maybe the team was rattled as a whole. They just couldn't get out of Derek second Henry gear. Derrick rattled him, I'll tell you that. Well, yeah, then that was obviously a big thing for the defense. Who knows? Maybe the they didn't play any week 17, bye week. Maybe that messed them up. I'm not sure. Nevertheless, they're in action here week one. They've got the Colts. I've got the Ravens moving forward. Uh, and then we've got... The Titans against the Browns, which is a game I spent quite a bit of time uh, thinking about here. 
again, I edged it out to the to the home Titans. I edged it out to the uh, Derrick Henry, like, winter, like, I don't even know sure. what to describe it, like, mega sure. lord. I mean, just sure. the most preposterous You don't want to get in the way when Derrick Henry's coming and it's cold outside. Yeah. So uh, I had the Titans moving forward, and then we had an upset in the 4-5 uh, with the Steelers beating the Bills. Um, and again, that's a spot where this is a Steelers team I'm starting to find myself somewhat uh-huh. high on. Again, it's sometimes when things are well, sometimes when things are really simple, like it doesn't mean that I want ah. a simplistic approach, but it's just you know the term of this? It's called Occam's razor, Kev. I'm trying to educate you, brother man. Uh, Occam's razor is the term literally for like Sometimes the most obvious outcome is the right answer. Don't overthink it. So by Occam's razor, you're thinking Pittsburgh could actually be good if Big Ben is actually there, right? Yeah, because they were the worst offense in football last year. Right. And they would have been the seventh seed if there were playoffs last year. They would have qualified for this year's play, like the playoffs, if it was last year, you know? Bizarre. So so my, um, the semis, if you will, in the AFC. Chiefs, Steelers, Ravens, Titans. Like it. That for me is like, that's really exciting. I think think Chiefs, Steelers is always going to be a fun matchup. And then Ravens having the chance to uh, get the Titans back. But I'll tell you this, it's going to be real, real hard to have me give you an AFC uh, championship game that is not Chiefs versus Ravens. It's going to be really difficult. It's one of those, I don't know if you remember, it was going into last college football season. And it was like even money. Will Clemson and Alabama play in a national championship game? Right. Looking back on it, wild that 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 I didn't bet it in a way to for for no because you just should have known that there was just too much that could possibly go right. wrong. Bama didn't even right get themselves into yeah. the playoffs. Now, as I'm saying, I should have bet no on that bet. You're I betting yes for this time I'd around. Love to bet yes on a Chiefs Ravens AFC Championship showdown. No, I understand. It does look to be kind of like the chalk, shall we say. Even, you know, we've been talking about this for a while, Kev. Like when you look at the Super Bowl odds, right? You've got the Chiefs, you got the Ravens. Then you have six NFC teams before you get to the next highest AFC team. And quite frankly, it's a team that neither one of us has in the playoffs in New England, right? So um, my playoffs, slightly different, okay? I, I told everybody before the break, I do not have Chiefs, Ravens, and... Um, Part of it was because I ultimately just didn't want to have that one. I wanted to zig when people zag, but I found a way to get it done with the way that my seeds actually go. So I've got KC as the one seed, Baltimore as the two. Remember, I said the Indianapolis Colts win that division. They're the three seed for me, Buffalo as the four. My wild cards go in order, Cleveland five, Chargers six, Pittsburgh seven. And that's very important for my ultimate AFC championship game. So um, this is where it becomes. Here's where I upset the apple cart. And it's funny because uh, I'm doing things that you were doing, but in a kind of different format. Okay, I've got two upsets on wild card weekend. Like you, I have the Bills getting upset by the five seed. But for me, it's Cleveland that goes into Buffalo and beats Josh Allen. You know, we've been talking about this AFC North. You know, I'll give you the Pittsburgh Steelers may look better with Big Ben. We have been high on Cleveland. If they put it all together, I believe they are capable of putting forth a great performance and beating uh, Buffalo. So I have Cleveland advancing and then because it is a rivalry black and blue matchup I have the Pittsburgh Steelers as the seven seed upsetting the Baltimore Ravens in the wild card round and I think this is feasible because it would be third time seeing them you know the division matchup the black and blue stuff remember this is the Thanksgiving night one so if I was going to pick off the Ravens, right? Um, Might as well have it be by their hated rival. I think that makes it play. I can have that argument, right? Like the third time in the season and all that. So I am going to make that argument. I agree with you that if Big Ben does get on the road and is rolling the right way, they are capable. Lamar Jackson has underperformed in the playoffs and having to go against one of the better defenses in the AFC in Pittsburgh and a familiar 
team that knows will have seen him a bunch of times. That's my case. Okay. And then I have Indianapolis as the three seed beating the Chargers. So my final four, as it were, would be um, it would be. Pittsburgh then as the lowest seed going to Seattle and Cleveland going to Indy. Uh, that would be my divisional rounds. This time, I don't have any upsets. All right. So my ultimate AFC championship game has the Chiefs just like you do. But I have the third seeded Colts getting through. Um, I believe this team is built the right way. Uh, from the offense and the defensive line, we've been talking about, you know, the great kind of weapons that we think they have, the RBB3 of it all. Remember, that's my pick for the rookie of the year. I like even Michael Pittman on the outside. I believe T.Y. Hilton is going to remind people that he is one of the elite wide receivers. And then it all comes down to Phillip Rivers. But I think him and Frank Reich are brought back together for a reason. And that Rivers will make beautiful music with them. So I've got a Colts. Chiefs AFC championship game. You've got a Ravens Chiefs AFC championship game. Kevin, who do you have getting through to the Super Bowl in your mind to see the San Francisco 49ers? Is this a rematch of the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm not going to do a rematch of the Super okay. Bowl. I'm going to go uh, with the Ravens to upset the Chiefs because it not only it would be them traveling um, it kind of in, in my layout here to Kansas City. Oddly enough, I would tell you that the Ravens are like the perfect team to beat the Chiefs because of the run, the rushing attack that running they have. Game. And that's always been the kryptonite to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I just... But if the Chiefs get up early on them, they won't be able to run anymore. What if the Chiefs' right. high-octane offense push it? That's always been the thing, right? If, the, if it has to be on the arm of Lamar, then that's still an open question, right? And... You know, we know the Chiefs are able to, like that, yeah. put up points. You know, if they got up 17-3 in this game and kind of take Lamar out of it, that's a problem. If any team can do that to Baltimore, it has proven to be the formula. Yeah, I would say that I think it's it's less about like, oh, can I trust Lamar's arm to win me a game? And it's just the, what the Chiefs have been doing now for two straight seasons. And they did it a lot in that first season. They get up so fast. You were one-dimensional. You had right. no choice. That's and exactly. it was then easy for them to kind of play it. All the edge rushers would pin their ears back. And that's why that Chiefs defense, and again, I'm talking two years ago, despite being considered like pretty bad, was incredible on third down, especially with their pass rushers. I think that the Ravens have the type of offense that can settle them. I think this team as well, like kind of how I've played it out here, once they got that first playoff win under the belt, that's possible. I think that that like will, Clayton Kershaw getting the first win to get over yeah. the hump. I, I think that that will make uh, a big, big difference in you know how much success the Ravens kind of can have as long as they can get that first one. And to be fair, you know the Colts. That's not an easy first matchup that I would have them playing. Right. But I still have obviously them getting it and heading to the Super Bowl. Yep. Fair enough. You know. So you have. The chalk, Kevin, you know, Casey, Baltimore, Kansas City, three, three to one, the Ravens plus 330. I have the first choice Chiefs and the fourth choice, the Indianapolis Colts, who are at 11 to one, uh, slightly less chalk. But, you know, I mean, the Ravens are obviously deservedly so to get all the praise with the defending <clears throat> MVP of the league. I think it's Patty Mahomes' time. I've got the Chiefs getting back to the Super Bowl. Um, I, you know, I think. You're going to have to beat them. I, you're going to have to figure out a way to outscore them. I think they got better this year. I think they got better on the defensive side of the ball. I think the Spagnolo defense is actually one that as you learn and get more familiar and familiar with the scheme, you get better and better. And you saw the Chiefs defense improve over the season last year. I just think the baton has been passed. You know, I think this is Patty Mahomes' league until he gets unseated. So I have a Kansas City, New Orleans mm -hmm. Super Bowl. You have a Baltimore, San Francisco Super Bowl. So in the Super Bowl, your Baltimore and San Francisco is the second and third choices on the board. My mm -hmm. Kansas City, New Orleans is the first and fourth choices on the board. So, you know, even... If you want to kind of lean with these favorites, there's still different ways to skin the cat. We ultimately, Kevin, have the top four. 
but two by two differently. The Chiefs are interesting, and we can expand on this maybe a bit after the break. But when they won that Super Bowl, it doesn't happen every time a team wins a Super Bowl. We heard a lot of people go, how did they get beat? Dynasty, right. How do they get beat? And it's a question you're asking, and I think it's a question that a lot of these teams are going to have to ask. Yeah, I got another troubling question for the rest of the league that we'll discuss on the other side of the break as well. What if Patty Mahomes gets better? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Welcome back to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I looking at the AFC playoff brackets. We have it slightly differently. I had to find a way to upset the apple cart. I found a division rival to take out Baltimore. I have the Colts sneaking in. Kevin has more of the chalk. I asked you, Kevin, before the break, what if Patty Mahomes gets better? You know, I've heard him. I've heard interviews in the offseason where he's pretty much saying and it makes sense. It is a natural progression. He's saying he's doing all on sheer athleticism right now. And and he's got that in spades, right? No look throws, sidearm, 50-yard chucks. I get it. It's amazing. But what happens, Kev, when he builds the experience and the mind part of quarterbacking, you know, and kind of like unlocks the other 50% of playing the quarterback position. Like, that's still on the horizon for Patty Mahomes, and he's talked about it, like the growth he went through in year one of a starter when he won the MVP award to year two of a starter when he won the Super Bowl MVP award to year three. Like, I know it's crazy, but there's still room for Patty Mahomes to get better, Kev, or am I crazy? You're far from crazy, and I'm going to see if I can push this far enough for you then to turn around and say that I'm crazy. Okay. I have, I've had this issue now across sports. When someone to me becomes obviously the best, right? Yeah. I, I take it for what it is, and I'm not necessarily a wait and see. If you've shown me it, I know. And it's why I've gotten into debates over LeBron James more than any athlete ever. Because there came a point where, very obviously, from yep. a pure talented basketball yep. player perspective, best yeah, basketball you see player, right? You right? See yeah. And then that continued. So when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and I, I said something that I meant, but I knew it was going to be like, are you kidding me? And I got it from who I was on air with, Wetzel. I came home to people sure. be like, what are you doing? But I said, Patrick Mahomes is probably the best quarterback of all time. Now, I get it. I get it credentials-wise, what Brady has done, the longevity of it all, and I'm not discrediting that. But it's hard for... But what I'm doing is assuming a longevity for Pat Mahomes. Right. And I understand that that's dangerous. But here's what I will say. You ever have those questions, Dane? Give me your, you know, your, your starting offense, all guys in their absolute peak. In their right? primes, yeah. I've had a lot of conversations with that, you know, I mean, during hey, yeah. talking about all these kind of things, right? Yeah. With, with friends. Multiple people, if I had to take a quarterback at their peak, the answer is Mahomes, three years into the league. At their peak? Like the best version of any quarterback I've ever seen? Mm -hmm. I don't know if my answer is Mahomes. I get what you're saying. And, I, my, and my thing is, I'm not saying that the answer has right, to be right. Mahomes. What no, I'm, I'm saying. So the idea that he can continue to get better, the idea right. that he's already the best in the league, he can right. make every throw possible, he's as clutch as it comes, no, and oh, he's now you. learning to read defenses? Right. Like, yeah, the whole thing. No, I prosper. get it. There's the potential for him to, when all is said and done, be respected as one of the greatest who ever did it. Yes, I'm on the Patty Mahomes train. Trust me, that's Mahomes, yo. And and I I won multiple leagues with him in my long-term dynasty league. I drafted him as a rookie, had him on my bench the entire rookie season just so I could reap the benefits of my back-to-back -back championships, which I have done so right. But um. You know, ironically, if you ask me every quarterback at their absolute peak, I would zig when others are zagging. I would take one of your former quarterbacks, Mr. Michael Vick, at his absolute peak. But that's a different kind of topic for a different kind of day. Right. The point remains, though, 
he can get better. He's entering year three of being a starter. That's when people take a jump. However, I have to ask you something else, Kev. For the last month and a half, we have been advising everyone to take plus money, to respect the variance that's out there. Meanwhile, we're taking chalk when it comes to the AFC Championship, when it comes to the Super Bowl. You've got the second and third choices. I've got the first and fourth choices. Yet we on this air have been talking about take the variance, plus money in the UFC, you know, all this stuff. But then I also asked you in the NBA and you were like, oh, it's going to be LA or LA. So why are we, you know, preaching to respect the variants, but when push comes to shove, we're clicking submit on the chalk, Kev. I would say that we have to acknowledge the variance. We have to be prepared for it to turn things on its head, but we also don't know yet how it plays out. So for me to tell you that my Super Bowl matchup would be Rams-Titans because of variance, Well, okay, what are the variables? What is it like you think that the Rams are better off without fans because the L.A. market hasn't been kind to them? With fans, you think that the Titans are more likely to pull an upset because we've seen road favorites perform well in Bundesliga? I mean, yeah, I guess I could give you those, but am I going to make a Super Bowl prediction based on Bundesliga games? Probably not. What I'm doing here is, and, and I think you as well, is I think when we go through a lot of these exercises, We still have to use what we know. Now, I'll tell you this. Because of the variance, what I get to the window on will probably be less had this not applied. Things such as the Raiders under, the Patriots under, Seahawks to make the playoffs, right? Those are things that I feel amazing about. I think the numbers are awesome, and I'll get there regardless. But a... Super Bowl prediction or a I don't know who wins the NFC East type of thing. Why do I keep talking about Washington? I, you know, I love right over on our, our social media. I'm glad they tweeted that out. So that way now it's on Twitter. If I'm right, I can kind of go back to it. <laughs> yeah, um, but like, I can go back to it if you're wrong. Oh, trust me, I know. Well, the thing is, no, I found myself an out. I, I played that game perfect. I said <laughs> they're going three and 13, and I also get to take credit if they win like 10 games. It's the best. I, I, totally, I totally nailed the, the both sides. Cover of the all the bases there. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So listen, that's where we have it. I do think it's interesting because we've been talking about this concept of the variants in this pandemic asterisk world for a long time. Yet ultimately, we like Lamar. We like Patty Mahomes, don't we all, right? No, but I I think that's absolutely interesting. And yes, Patty Mahomes does have before him, you know, the path to milk and honey and all the respect and goat-ism, shall we say. Kev, yesterday, uh, we talked about Kylan Hill, a Mississippi State running back who made his stand, said he wasn't going to represent Mississippi State or play uh, until there was change, most notably in the idea of the flag. And, you know, I got on my soapbox yesterday and I said that, you know, it's great that this kid does something, but others need to stand with him in the same way that NASCAR and other racers were standing with Bubba. I pointed out Dak Prescott, other high profile athletes from Mississippi State or Ole Miss, specifically your NWO bros, for example. And specifically, where's his head coach? You know, where was Mike Leach? And earlier, yesterday, after talking about this, I saw exactly what was next. And, you know, I tip my cap. You know, if I challenged people yesterday, I got to come back here and say, challenge answered, okay? Um, I saw yesterday that Mississippi State coaches across the state, across programs, met to, in essence, lobby the state government, you know, and kind of collective power of unity, lobby and be like, maybe we should look at this again. Now, I know this is a conversation that the SEC and schools have had with the state of Mississippi before, but remember, Times, they are a-changing. Statues are falling left and right. Fight songs, mascots are changing as well. Um, I think this is the right logical next step. I still don't know what will ultimately come of it, if anything. But I challenged them to do something like this yesterday, and they did. So I want to, you know, say good stuff. They're going down the right way, taking up the cause and backing up Kylan Hill. So I do wonder somewhat, right, because, of course, all the coaches came, but both Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin were there, who both just took over. 
at the at one at Mississippi State and the other at Ole Miss. And I yeah. wonder if them coming in fresh caused them any reservation. It certainly didn't seem that way. One's a Cali guy. The other one's from Nebraska. Potentially them not having ties, right, because perhaps a, a, someone who had been there for a while would have ties to it, made them more willing. But here's, here's what I will tell you. Kylan Hill did something very important, something that we've not really seen a college athlete do. And I would say something that was, to a degree, Colin Kaepernick-esque. The difference is, when he did it, he was met with support from people in high positions. And what happens? We are now you know, significantly closer to that kind of change. Because if all of Mississippi State and all of Ole Miss programs, every single, every single one yeah. of them are going to come there and voice their opinions and voice their concerns and show their support, it's now not just one isolated athlete right. that people can single out and people can say, you don't like it, transfer. And it's a losing battle, and then he does transfer, and Mike Leach ignores the whole thing, and Lane Kiffin ignores the whole thing. That's what happened to Colin Kaepernick. But now we see what happens when you step up, when you show that support. And it does, to a degree, break my heart knowing that had if those gestures been made to Cap back in 16, maybe we could have avoided a whole lot of stuff that followed. But it does make me happy to see Again, this is another sign of the progress that has been made and how much things have changed in still what is a short window. Yeah, Kev, you know, we've talked about this a lot, right? And we frame this not as a black and white issue, not as a protester police issue, not as a man-woman issue. It's a right side of history and wrong side of history issue. And as I continue to say, the revolution will be televised and put on social media. Um, I've framed it this way before, right? The wrong side is just losing its cover because now you're looking around and you thought you had solidarity in numbers, even if it was vile, but now you become out there more on an island. And, you know, Roger Goodell has moved, you know, and when we see all this movement, you know, it's harder now to just stand defiantly on the wrong side of history with your ignorance. So maybe it does change. But the biggest point, as I mentioned yesterday, is the fact that it was a group, Kevin, of 46 coaches and administrators across eight universities. I'll say that again. 46 coaches across eight universities. That is the kind of show of solidarity that needs to be taken seriously. And so I am happy that that has happened. I'm happy that they took that step. There is safety in numbers. And the question is, what now will the state of Mississippi do in response? Because nobody wants to mess with SEC football down south. We'll see. That'll do it for this edition of The Early Line. When we come back next week, listen, we've got baseball. Okay, we finished our team-by-teams look at the NFL, but we've got baseball as a more pressing matter. We're only about 30 days out now for the weekend of when baseball will start. So we'll start two-a-days. It's like summer training 2.0. We'll have our summer training starting to look deeply at Major League Baseball, how to get ahead of it for betting and for fantasy. For my man, Kevin, I am merely the spitting statistician. We'll see you on Monday for the brand-new week of the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.